capital of the world. Bring your lunch. It's the T.C. Martin Show. With a flex of the muscles. Diagnosis. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Prognosis. So he does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmosis. Wow. He could really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. <laughs> We got a lot to unpack here today. Last night's Golden Knights loss in OT to the Colorado Avalanche. Don't despair, Golden Knights fans, because now Colorado did what they're supposed to do. They won their both games on home ice. Golden Knights, they'll get their opportunity in front of 18,000 screaming maniacs. You, You or two or three of you guys could be one of them. There you go. Tomorrow night and Sunday games three and four. We'll dive into that today. Tracy Murray will join us as we talk NBA playoffs. Two very good games tonight. Highly contested games out in the West. The Suns take it on the Lakers and the Blazers and the Nuggets. We'll talk to Tracy Murray, the former NBA champion, the sharpshooter, of course, the pride of UCLA, and also does a great job as part of the UCLA Bruins basketball radio network so he will join us today so a lot to do and a lot to talk about and then there is vgk frank ready to roll what's going on my man yeah you know just uh watched last night's game along with some uh basketball action and other things that were going on as well uh met up with a couple friends uh thought it was a good game thought it was exciting thought it was nail biting and uh you know it's it's interesting in a game that's a 3-2 game like that I have to give kudos to the media for picking the stars of the game at the end, at least the ones that they listed, because although it was a 3-2 game, both goaltenders were two of the three stars of the game. And again, neither one of them faced a ton of shots, but I thought the goaltending was superb there. And now you understand why two of the three Vesna finalists are in this series here. Mm-hmm. You know, Grubauer and Fleury were both very good. All right. When you say nail-biting, did you actually see anyone biting their nails? I heard people saying a lot of stupid stuff, <laughs> reminding me of why a lot of people don't know anything about hockey that watch the games and that. But boy, they sure talk about it adamantly, like they know exactly what's going on. But so you I, went to a public venue, and then you, you know you had beer flowing and food flowing, and probably a lot of you know non-hockey people there. I understand. Well, yeah, they're fans. Well, but 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 they think they are hockey people, you know. So, but but again, you know, as long as you're enjoying the game and that sort of stuff, but um, you know, and then you had people afterwards saying how the refs screwed them and they, you know, oh, they were cheated and they gave that game to Colorado. I I, I don't think they'd have been saying that if Vegas would have scored on the power play chance that they had at yeah. the end of the third yeah. when they got a call and had the power play for essentially the same thing that Colorado just had happened to them on a breakaway in front of the net that wasn't called. Now Colorado's penalty was a little bit more egregious, but. You know, it's the bottom line is, and whether you like the call or not, and is it normally called at this time of the playoffs? Maybe not. But you have to remember payback and evening things up, too. And Colorado was upset that they didn't get the call and then had to kill a penalty. Bottom line is, you've got to kill that power play. Well, you've do- got to kill the penalty. It doesn't help when your head coach is, is crying the way he's crying. And of course, that is going to bring fans in to echo his sentiments as well, too. And well, especially when the head coach is the guy and said that, oh, they're embellishing. and they're doing. Right. He, he was the coach of the Sharks during the one thing Vegas fans don't want to hear about, the major, not a major. You benefited from that exact same thing against this team a few years ago. But I think a lot of people don't realize that Peter DeBoer has always been kind of a complainer, even when he was the coach of the Sharks. And, you know, some, they, coaches, coaches, are, some you know, coaches try to buy calls in they that, do. and they, they basically do. play it up. Yeah. But he and, thinks and you that, can't fault a coach for that. You know, I don't fault a coach for that. If he wants to whine and cry, or he wants to work calls or whatever, I mean that that's one thing. That's that's all part of of the game. That's all part of the game. I fault him when they do it to the extent where all of a sudden the officials it actually hurts the team instead of helps them because the officials are like they don't even they just tune you out. They don't even right. listen anymore. Right. When it becomes a negative and it's not helping the team, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting in this next game. 
Do we see Vegas get it? I thought the referees did a pretty good job of swallowing their whistles for the most part. I thought there were some penalties that could have been called in that game that weren't. Now, obviously, again, Golden Knights are, well, they had six power plays and we had three. Yeah, did you see how you guys played that first period? Right, right. They, they, Vegas was horrible yeah. at the start of that period, given Colorado the power plays. Mm-hmm. They committed penalties that had to be called. But again, they had the power play at the end of the third. They had the golden opportunity, pardon the pun, to win the game. You know, they su- didn't get it done. It's such an easy way to go with the excuse train when you say, "Okay, well, you know, you know, they, you know, this is a, this is a payback or this is a makeup or, and that sort of thing." And I've never been one to to be in conspiracy theory mode. You know that. But again, I, I, when you look at these situations, these officials do not have that in their brain, especially at this time of the year, knowing that everything means so much. I mean, every call. And you do have the better officials that are doing these games as well, too. So people that want to knock the officials or say, well, they didn't call that, but they called that one, or now Vegas is going to get, get a makeup call or vice versa – you got to put that away. I mean, really, that is just juvenile thinking. It really is. You talk about people that aren't hockey fans or whatever. It's that way in all sports. You know, basketball, baseball, football, all that. You know, that's look at soccer for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah, oh, it's it, terrible yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and and again, so these officials, believe it or not, for the most part, okay. In in watching this game the way I watched it last night, I don't think there was anything egregious there whatsoever. Like, oh, I missed that one. We're going to have to make up that one. Where I called that one. Where we're going to have to, you know, you know, make good with that one. I just didn't see that. Okay, the penalties they called were legitimate penalties. And believe me, and we've talked about this before. At this point of the playoffs, when you're in the postseason, you know they are going to let some of the ticky tack stuff go away. But it didn't look. Riley Smith's penalty didn't look like much. But look where it happened. You know, I mean, it, and he slashed. And, 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 and may have, you know, saved a goal. You know what I'm saying? It was in front of the net. So it's those type of things. If that was, you know, you know 40, 50 feet out, yeah, it's probably not going to be called. Well, you know, one of the things that I always find kind of amusing, too, from a fan basis, and we kind of touched on this the other day when we were talking about it, and I said people always say, as long as they're consistent, I want consistency. And that's not what fans want. And I made the comment that fans want to get every call. That's what they actually want. They don't want consistency. But how many people did you see on social media and all over the place last night after that penalty going, well, that's not a penalty in overtime in a Stanley Cup playoff game. Wait, you want consistency, so you're kind of saying, yeah, that might have been a that's a first-period penalty or a regular or, or, season right. penalty, but not at that point. That's the exact definition of inconsistency. If it's a penalty, then it should be called all the time. Now, again, that game was a physical game. Was I surprised that it was called? I was a little surprised just because of the timing of it because I am so used to seeing officials blow their whistles. But I also, and again, I'm going to bring this up. When Vegas had that power play, Colorado had a breakaway that they had just gotten interfered with. There could have easily been a call against the Golden Knights that put Colorado on that power play right before Vegas got theirs. That wasn't called. Colorado benches was not happy. The players on the benches, the, the coaches, everybody else. Vegas got the call for essentially the same thing. Now, again, the Colorado player, he almost slew-footed him, kind of skated into him that he took him down. They had to call that. But Colorado felt that they had already got a penalty that they didn't get called, and then they had to kill the power play. They did it. Marc-Andre Fleur was sensational. But you have to kill that penalty. It's like when an infielder makes an error in a baseball game, and then the pitcher gets together, and you get that third out anyhow. Sometimes, even when something goes wrong, you've got to step up and make it good, or if the ump calls somebody safe when he's out. Nowadays, they review it in that, so we don't see that as much. But it was a penalty that maybe not a lot of people didn't expect. Riley Smith didn't like it. Beat DeBoer's going to say his stuff. The bottom line is, once again, Vegas didn't get the job done. Well, they, had, they had plenty of opportunities. They had okay? a lot of, and we'll I mean, they hit four all posts that. in the game I mean, and yeah, everything. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, three, you know? three in the third period. So Colorado wins on the power play goal, 207 into the overtime, the Riley Smith penalty. Pierre DeBoer afterwards, here's the quote. He said, it was just a soft call. I can't even blame the refs because they're fighting the embellishment of grabbing your face or falling down or dropping your stick every period. I can't even blame the referee on it. They fooled them on it. I mean, 
that's, that's just an asinine comment. It's a crazy comment. And even your team, sometimes you go to the media and you want to back your team. You want to say something. That, if you are playing for him, you're just kind of saying, okay, if you're trying to you know, protect us or trying to fire us up or whatever and trying to say, hey, we got your back, that quote really doesn't do it. For me, if I'm a player, you know what I mean. Yeah, but but yeah, some of the players did kind of they they, they use that and they kind of piled on it, like yeah. Stone saying afterwards. Well, yeah, I mean he had one hand on his stick. He wasn't so. So you're saying he wasn't grabbing a stick that he was just waiting for contact to yeah. drop the stick or yeah. something? And guess what? If the embellishment did work, maybe your player should embellish more. And the thing about it, and I don't want to bring this up to make piss people off or whatever. The call in San Jose when you were with the Sharks was there. All of those things happened on one play. It wasn't a penalty. They called it on the wrong guy. The stick, the stick was dropped. And it was, I mean, it was complete. Every single one of those factors happened. The embellishment of this and that, the laying on the ice, the other guy coming over and, and bitching yep. about the call. That five-minute major doesn't happen. Vegas might have already had a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know certainly people out here think that they would have. Hell, uh, people out here think that they should be playing for their fourth consecutive Stanley Cup. <laughs> Colorado's a good team. It was a good game. It was, you know, maybe not the way people wanted it to end because of a call like that. But that call is not what cost them the game. What cost them the game was the entire game, and Grubauer was good enough when he needed to be. The post helped him out. Marc-Andre Fleury was good. But Colorado took advantage of their power play opportunity where Vegas didn't. And it's I don't want to dumb it down and oversimplify it, but that's the bottom line. Vegas played much, much better than they did in the first game. And I know people are going to look at shots and goal in that and everything again. Oh, we outshot them. Are, are, are people f- getting tired of that narrative all the time? It doesn't mean diddly squat if you don't win the game. Yeah, you got to put the, uh, the you know the puck in the net uh, and yeah yeah off 41. the post on the side yep. of the net behind the net they don't count 40, <laughs> 41 to twenty five uh, that was the shots uh, on goal for the game and I believe it was what thirty one to twelve in periods two and three last night yeah and so that that's the moral of the story for me is that the Golden Knights had their opportunities we knew tons of them we knew that they were going to be better than game one. All the excuses rolled out, and again, we've, you see it before. You see it in the NBA pl- playoff series. With the short turnaround, game one is going to be a dud. It's going to be a dog for them, and it was. They had that extra day, uh, luckily because the Nuggets were, were playing in that arena, so they had the extra day to refresh. They were ready to go. They were focused. They played inspired hockey. They played tough hockey, I thought, uh, and they showed that they were fresh. But the key here for me, they didn't play smart hockey. They committed six penalties. And, and I don't want to hear that, well, maybe, maybe you know, four of the six oh, you know, were legit or three of the six or five. No, they committed six penalties at the most inopportune time. We saw what happened in the first period. I mean, the, the Avalanche basically picked up where they left off in game number one. I mean, they, they got a goal you know, right away. And it, it was it was one nothing, but and that was a really weird goal too. Brandon yeah. Side comes down and he actually whiffed on the on the puck. And because he didn't get it, it's like being in the batter's box and looking for the fastball and the knuckleball comes. Right. It, it it was so missed on the shot attempt that it completely th- threw Flurry's timing off. When it went through the five hole, he's like, wait a second, that thing's just crawling past me. But I thought I would have already saved it by now. I mean, Saad kind of looked up like, whoa, did I get away with one there? Right, right. <laughs> But you know, to the Golden Knights' credit, I mean, they they responded right back and they tied it up one one. And then then when they when they gave gave up the lead two one, they responded back again. At that point, in time, I was like, okay, th- we got ourselves a hockey game. This is everything that we expected to see in this series and moving forward. We're going to see more games like this than we saw in game number one. There's there's no doubt about it. But going back to what you said, Grubauer, he was fantastic. He was outstanding. And you can't give the Vezina Trophy just based on one game, but it will come down to this series and who wins this series and who performs better 
Flurry or Grubauer because for me those are the two guys. There's no doubt about it. You don't think Vasilevsky's in the hunt? Because uh, some people think he's the favorite. You, you could now, say now that. No, he he's he's, he's won some before, and some yeah. people think that might be a negative yeah. to him. But boy, I'll tell you what: as good as Tampa Bay is offensively, right? They are this season, in my opinion, yep. clearly the three best goalies. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder about well, should this guy yeah. have got it, or these two are so much above? Who yeah. really is yeah. the third guy? Who cares or whatever? This year there were three sensational goaltenders in this yeah. league that I saw night in and night out, and those are the three. And a lot of people, you know, we're seeing a lot of this every day now for the past you know, week since they uh, talked about who the nominees are. And it's like, you know, let's, let's chill off of that a little bit. I mean, you know, all three of these goalies are in the playoffs here, okay? They're, they're in some major series here. They don't want to hear that talk or whatever. So, so leave that for the end, the NHL awards and all that sort of thing. But I'm saying that these two guys, in my opinion, they're the favorite because they're going to be getting all the attention. This is more likely. Well, they're going head to head. They're so, going so that certainly exactly, helps a little bit. Exactly. Now, and, now you could say Vasilevsky's playing the team Carolina that was right up there with the President's Trophy in a tougher right, division in that. Right. But again, no, I, I agree with you. From I think the head this is head more of that, a marquee series too. There's more eyeballs on this series, I believe. Than, than that other series. Maybe. Yeah. Because Tampa Bay has won the first two games on the road. Right. You know, right. I mean, they look right. like they're rolling again. It looks right now like Tampa Bay is one of those teams, yeah. because of the defending Stanley Cup champs, that they might be going. It's like, we didn't care about the regular season. We got ready for the playoffs here because... They won a game that was a high-scoring game for them against Carolina. Then they beat them in a very boring 2 nothing game and basically came out afterwards and said, however they want to play is fine with us because we, we can beat them either way. Right now they're in the Hurricanes' heads, and that's not good if you're a Carolina fan. Yeah. Grubauer, out- outstanding, turned away 39 of 41 shots. And it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't that Flurry was bad either. I mean, he was, he was very good to, as well last night. But uh, although he didn't face nearly as many shots, but he no, did. he made some big yeah, saves. He did. But Grubauer, you know, for me, I mean, the, the saves that he made, uh, and he just seems in such command of the game as well, too. Just well, even the little things. And and I think he has, and I don't know if he would admit to this, or I don't know why he would not admit to it. How we always talk about the Golden Knights in season one, and even Mark Andre Fleury this year about how he bounced back from last year, and you know the sword through the back thing with his agent and all that kind of stuff. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. I still think Philip Grubauer has a chip on his shoulder from the time that he won the Stanley Cup with Washington when he played the first two games, lost on home ice, Holtby Holtby, came in, and we never saw Grubauer hit the ice again. And although he's got a Stanley Cup ring, I think right now, in his mind, he's going... I want to earn a Stanley Cup ring now. I want to be the man. I had an opportunity that was given to me. I was given the keys to the car, and I crashed it a block from home running into the light pole or the tree or something. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder from his past playoff performances. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but it sure seems that way to me because he seems like a better and more solid goalie right now than he was before. Maybe the moment was too big with the playoffs and everything else. But he seems dialed in right now. They swept St. Louis, and it wasn't just because of their offense. Right. Grubauer did a good job, and he's done a good job for him all season all long. All season long. No, I totally agree with you. And I think that definitely was the situation. I remember going back you know, to that Stanley Cup final, and I kept saying, you know, hey, I'm not sold on Holtby. I'm not sold on him. And, again, he, he did lose his job, and when that happens, and we saw it right here with Marc-Andre Fleury. He lost his job last year. He lost his job. He was not 1A, 1-1A last year. Okay? No, in Pete DeBoer's mind, he lost his job. Yeah. To the fans and a lot, maybe even a lot no. of the teammates in the locker room, he didn't. But the only person's opinion that matters is the one that decides who's playing. Right. But again, he lost his job because look how many times he started versus, oh, absolutely. Ver- versus Robin De- Leonard in the playoffs. No, like, Robin no Leonard yeah. was Pete DeBoer's number one goalie. Yeah, yeah. It, like you say, it wasn't 1-1A. It was, and right now it's not it's not one and one a. Oh no way! <laughs> it's a, but again, I don't even know who the one a would be right now with Leonard not being on the bench last right, night. Right, right. I so, don't think it's I, I don't think Mark Andre Fleury and Logan Thompson are one and one a. Colorado <laughs> is six and zero oh in this postseason. Uh, they obliterated the Blues. They obliterate the Golden Knights in Game One, and they win a nail biter, like you say, in Game Number Two. Edge of your seat action. Yeah, and they again they are six and zero. Oh. And that is because of Grubauer, but it's it's because of McKinnon. It's because of of, of everything that they are doing. Brandon, Landis, Kel McCarr, Taze. I mean, yeah. they have a this very is good, a solid. And again, team. remember this for Golden Knights fans out there right now who are you know upset because Revo can't play a couple games. 
their tough guy, Kadri, still can't play right now. I, I still think that's that's something that's being swept into the rug. He's a big part of that team. You have to give it up to Colorado to find a way to continue to win like that without Kadri in the lineup, knowing that he's not going to be there. Yeah, I agree. We got breaking news or something? We got, or something we, 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 got bre- we got breaking news, and I'm just sitting here. Uh, Numchuck just – we got a live chopper thing of a police chase going on. Is that OJ? Is so, that a white Bronco? So that's what I thought. So I think, okay, is this is it anniversary or something? It is about that time of year. You know, It was the NBA playoffs. It was in June, you know, so I'm looking at that. I think, wait, what's he showing me? He goes, no, we have a live police chase in McKinney, Texas. So you know what, what's going on in my mind right now? Going to the barbecue shop? That's what I'm thinking. This burned down. Should we call Houston Nut right now? That's exactly what I'm thinking. Or do we, we save that till next hour? Or I don't know, but I'm just this guy. You know, I mean, luckily, do we know what the chase is about? Or uh, I mean, I know it's just on a little cell phone that you got it there, and uh, obviously no audio. So you mean not on our big screens TV that that that. Uh, no, no, we have too many other things on there. The, yeah. uh, okay, exactly. The stock market reports because hey. Numchuck's so deep into the stocks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he says I'm number one. <laughs> so we'll have, to, uh, we'll have to keep an eye on yeah a police chase in McKinney and how this you know got. Uh, you know, on our on our producer's radar is is beyond me, but that's okay. Break, breaking news: Unfortunately, we don't really have any of the news. Yeah, we know there's a chase going on around McKinney, Texas. And again, it does look like OJ because we have a truck, and it looks like the truck's only going about forty miles per hour. This is it, we got an aerial shot here. I mean, look at this. This this is uh, very similar. And I'm seeing trees. Is this Brentwood? I mean, what's going on there? Maybe they're making a commercial. <laughs> the new white Bronco, faster than OJ. This is actually it looks like a silver one. Doesn't look like a Bronco. Oh, the anyway. silver Broncos. Yeah. Okay, who knows? All right, uh, home schedule: Golden Knights. Okay, so travel back to Vegas. They play tomorrow night, seven o'clock, at T-Mobile Arena. Game number four will be Sunday at five thirty. Uh, if there is a game six, looking ahead for people in season ticket holders or people just looking to go to the game, that's Thursday at. Um, Oh, you mean with, for the home the, games, yeah. For the home games. I'm looking at the home games. Yeah, yeah. yeah because it'll be Sunday, then Tuesday in Colorado, then back uh, yeah. at yeah. Vegas on yeah. Thursday. Right. So that that is the home schedule we're looking at. Friday, Sunday, and Thursday. Of course, Thursday would be game six if necessary. So, yeah, so means Vegas has to yeah. do some work and win a couple games to make that the case. Correct. Mundo. 18,000 fans will be in attendance tomorrow. That will be crazy. Uh, it is a 7 o'clock game. And, um, Get there early, yeah, because parking is <laughs> a nightmare, kind of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know they had ten thousand at, at the game last night in Colorado, and, and that seemed pretty loud just watching on television. And I think uh, you know even the the announcing crew they're already looking forward to coming to Vegas, saying, "Yeah, we know what this is going to be like." You know, it'll be fun too. And uh, I know we just had them on yesterday, but I know I know we'll be talking again soon. How did the crowd noise for the hockey game compare to the basketball game the night before? Well, With the double overtime game right. and then the overtime game. Right. Both Denver teams win, right. although one's called the Colorado Avalanche, but right. they're the, the, both Denver teams. So, you know, because was one fan base more rapid than the other? Were both equal? Both had exciting games. So it sounds like to me that uh, we need to, to talk to Brian Salmon again. For a third day in a row to get his take on that is what you're saying. And if, if if you want to do that or shoot him a text or something, yeah. but yeah, yeah. It, it might be interesting. Yeah. I mean, he could be flying back for, for Biden right now. We we don't know. I don't know. His, right. He he did not text me his itinerary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know they do have some weird itineraries because I remember. Well, remember he told us that he arrived on game day last time, and I remember when yeah, he and, and he was back flying to, and he was flying around the airport right. all over the place because there was rain and he did not. Like and remember that. when they came back from Minnesota. You know, after their la- that last game in Minnesota, game six in Minnesota, he said, yeah, they got back like way late. So uh, it, it was definitely the next day. So, yeah, we'll reach out. Okay. All right. Uh, Nick Bogdanovich is going to join us uh, a little bit later on as well, too. Talking Our Mayweather good- Paul. There we go. So I want to make sure <laughs> that we ask him that today. Is this bettable? Is it actually on the board? Even though, as we reported yesterday, there are no judges. Therefore, there is no official winner. It's an exhibition. It's always been titled an exhibition. But yesterday they came out and said, nah, no judges and uh, no winner. That's it. Participation trophies, ribbons, participation money. That's what's going to be. So are you going to say, Nick, are you going to put it on the board? 
That's <laughs> we're going to ask him, exactly. <laughs> All right, so Nick will join us. We might check in with B. Sal, like you said. But coming up next, our good friend Tracy Murray, the former NBA champion, the sharpshooter himself. He's down in L.A. And What did uh, he think of Damian Lillard the other day? Yeah, well, we're going to find out. <laughs> and we're also going to find out what he thinks about these L.A. teams, uh, both maybe on the verge of exiting. We're talking about the Lakers and the Clippers. So uh, we'll talk to Tracy Murray about that. It is a Thursday, T.C. and Ballpark Frank with you. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good. All right, NBA playoffs aplenty to big games uh, tonight. And let's dive into that with our next guest, our good friend, the pride of UCLA. He's the NBA champion himself, uh, one of the best three-point shooters back in the day, of course. My guy, Tracy Murray. What's up, Trace? What's going on, TC? I'm doing good, man. So I know you're in town. You're you're loving it. You got your summer here, full of basketball. What's going on, man? Nothing, man. Just doing a lot of coaching with my daughter's team right now. And I didn't expect to do it. I honestly didn't want to coach my daughter's team. I just wanted to sit up there like a parent. <laughs> but um, I got pulled into it, so... Wow, this sounds so familiar, man. I, you know, flashback. I had to do the exact same thing, man. But I know you, man. You're kind of like probably like the way I was. It's like, okay, if you're gonna do it, then you're gonna do it right, man. And uh, let's 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 pull out all the stops and let's go. Yeah, if you're gonna go in, you got to go all in because yeah. there's a lot of girls that that are you know trying to get better, and and they're a fourth grade team. They're a ten U team, so there's a lot of growth. We have some talent. But it can be a lot, a lot of growing going on between now and when they get to high school. And, and let's touch on that too, because a lot, you know, we have a lot of parents, obviously, that listen to the show. They have kids that are in sports and everything. But when you start getting involved in the AU basketball, and whether it's basketball or baseball or softball, any of these type of things, you know, the team sports. You know, 10U, believe it or not, it gets pretty competitive. But as you know, Tracy, and we all know who's been through this before, you got some parents that, that don't realize it's 10U. I mean, they're thinking right now, okay, I'm paying thousands upon thousands of dollars for my kid to, to play, uh, you know, travel basketball, baseball, softball, whatever it is. And they're thinking college. They're thinking college already at, at 10U, not really from a recreational standpoint. And it continues to get you know, more intense as you get to 12U, 14U, 16U, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, 10U really should be that time where you're still learning the game. You're, you're having friendships, the bonding, all that sort of thing. It's great. But as we know, there are parents that really are, are on speed dial here at 10U. Wouldn't you concur with that? I agree. Um, I'm about to send a disclaimer out to all the parents. They should be learning and having fun right now. Because if you push them and continue to push them hard right now, all of your hard work and dedication pushing them to something that you want to be successful at, they will end up turning and making a U-turn going somewhere else at the end of the day. So let them have fun. Let them learn. Let them develop their talent. And if there are some good coaches there, let the coaches develop them. Stay out of the way if this is not your forte, because there's a lot of parents that get in the way of the experts. And, and, and that's a problem. With your basketball background and your resume, do you find parents less likely to come up to you and try to tell you how to do stuff as opposed to some of the other coaches that can't say, look, I'm like a UCLA Hall of Famer. Shut up and let me do my job. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get into the UCLA Hall of Fame right. still. Right. But, well, in, but, our, in um, our heart, you are. At, <laughs> yeah, at, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, there's tons of people who are trying to get, you know, they, they mean well. You know, they want to see their kids get there. But there's no such thing as an overnight fix. There's a lot of parents that think that their kids are going to be NBA or WNBA players overnight. Newsflash, there's only, what, 4,400 people in the 75-year of NBA that, that's ever played in the NBA. So you have a better chance of being a rocket scientist. I'm not saying give up, but I'm saying be patient and, and, and let things happen because chances are they're not going to get there. 
Yeah, absolutely great. Only 144 women are in the WNBA. That's that's all the slots that there are, and we use that number uh, all the time. But no, it's it, and that's a, and that's a smaller and that's a smaller chance, right? Not as many teams. Yeah, it sounds like you're also saying go to class and do your homework on that because you can still have a successful career by being a rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying uh, go to, go to school. You know, do your work and and and. For most people, have a backup plan. I know I didn't have a backup plan, but I was six eight and could shoot. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, and uh, yeah, and I remember those days, man. I remember Tracy Murray at the Slam and Jam, Izzy Washington down there at Long Beach State. I remember, man. I was there. I was coaching it. There was Tracy Murray lighting it up in three. That's what I'm talking well, I tell about. You what, it was it was a lot of hard work and dedication, and you got to have yourself around people that have done it. When I grew up, I was around Michael Holden, who went to UCLA and played a lot of years in the NBA. I was around Michael Cooper, who was a five-time NBA champion with the, with the Los Angeles Lakers. These are people I was around because my dad played basketball, and he played just underneath their level. So when you're around greatness and, 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 and being able to rub elbows with these people and see how they walk, see how they talk, see how they work, now you have a gauge on how to work and how to push yourself and what things you should be doing to get to that level. Yeah, no, you're so right, man. I'm not, I'm not going to go to a street ball player and ask them how to get to the NBA. It's not going to happen. There you go. Exactly. And, and just and, and finally on this topic, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you said earlier because I personally have experienced. I'm sure you have too because you know you you've been coaching. It's just that I've seen how parents have driven their kids away at a young age. I mean, I had some kids in various sports that just, you know, they they loved it, but they only loved it to a certain degree. And as you get older and, you know, there are other things that come prominent in your life, but if your parents are hitting you over the head with, you know, uh, 6 a.m. workouts and then uh, again in the afternoon and then in the evening and that sort of thing and then scolding you because, you know, you didn't score 20 or you had a couple turnovers or whatever. And like I said, I've seen it from team sports and individual sports and it's sad so many kids i mean i've got about a list of probably i would say double digits of kids that probably could have gone on and play college ball but they quit because of the pressure from their parents and absolutely i mean absolutely if 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 you don't allow the kids to love the game if you're doing it for anything except for the love of the game, you're not going to get out of it what you, what you really want. Um, there's a lot of people that's money-motivated, fame-motivated, women-motivated, money, whatever's lifestyle-motivated. If you are all of that motivated, then at some point, even if you reach it there and you, and you get all of that stuff, you're not going to maximize your potential because now you have it. Now you're going to stop working. You got to love the game. You got to love the workouts, the 6 a.m. workouts, the weight room. You got to love all of that. You got to love the constructive criticism. People are going to tell you the truth. You can't be told you're great all the time. You got to be told sometimes that you're not very good at some areas so you can work on your game. A lot of these parents want you to tell them that their kids are great. And they're not even good yet. So you, there's still work to do, people. There it is. Tracy Murray, the coach. With all that being said, what kind of squad you got there? Well, I mean, I mean, we went one and two last week, but we haven't had time with them. They, they've only had like three practices. Um, there's only three experienced players, and the other four, are. this is their first experience. So right now you just want to make it fun for them. Right. And we played against boys' teams. We, we beat one boys' team the first game, and then the two boys' teams that we lost to, they're celebrating like they won the NBA championship, and their <laughs> parents are jumping around like they got a ring. And I'm like, number one, you guys beat a girls' team that's not really experienced yet. And number two, if you beat a girls' team by 10, you got work to do. <laughs> Tell like it is, man. Oh boy! Just, 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 just be humble. Be a yes. good sport. Yes, yes. Uh, we're gonna have to keep keep track on this on on Tracy's team here. There you go. All right, man. <laughs> Coach K retires. I want to get some thoughts on you. Forty six years, five national titles, twelve Final Fours, uh, eleven hundred and seventy D one victories. 
USA Olympic head coach. Uh, the guy's been uh, phenomenal. He is 74 years old. And, you know, a lot of people were thinking because of what he was saying last year uh, about, you know, COVID and he didn't have a very good team. They thought that, okay, all of this stuff and the changes of college basketball, now with the, you know, the likeness and the imaging and all these type of deals, there's kind of like driving him away from the game. And I know people thought that about Roy Williams, too, because remember, Roy Williams just retired a few months ago as well, too. But he, yeah. he made it very clear to say, hey, it's not about that. You know, I'm healthy. My wife's healthy. I want to spend time with my family and my grandkids. Uh, that's really what, what I want to do. Uh, so when you hear all that, Tracy, you put it all together. Uh, give me your thoughts. Well, first of all, I'm going to say I can't stand Coach K because I lost to him twice. Right. <laughs> and pe- no, and no, people I- at UNLV feel the exact same way, as you know, even though UNLV got him, but then they got the payback a year later. They seem to remember the loss more than they, the win. They do. They absolutely do. Right, absolutely, absolutely. But you know what? What Coach K has done and, and, and the, the many of young men that he's touched uh, uh, all of these years, man, uh, he had a heck of a run. Uh, I am a Coach K fan. I was just joking at the beginning. I, I really think, uh, um, you know, his his career is second to none. Um, USA basketball, I mean, Duke basketball, the the Grand Hills and the Christian Laters and the Bobby Hurleys has come through there all the way through to the Elton Brands and, and these youngsters that he just, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody had a rude awakening the last year and a half, two years. And, and, and it's really pointing back towards your family. You know, there's a lot of things I done passed up on and, and moved away from because I need to focus on my family. And I think what Roy Williams and Coach K have done in the game and they want to focus on their families at 70-something years old, I think they're, they're entitled to, man, because they put in the work. They had a great career, and you got to do nothing but tip your hats and salute them. And I know there is a lot of that. People just, they don't like Duke. And I've never understood that. And they look at Duke like, oh. I don't either. Yeah. Remember how Duke was back in the day? He took over at age 33. Duke was terrible. And remember, he went through some pretty lean years. Even when they were playing well, they would be down for years. And and just people didn't like him. When, I know you probably played, Tracy, guys with Duke, or rather that came from Duke, whether your teammates or has some close friends that went to Duke and played uh, uh, for him. What were their thoughts about playing for Coach K? Well, you know what? I, I always kid hating Duke and, and all of them, and I always kid that because I had a lot of friends that, that played for Coach K and went to Duke. So I always give them a hard time, but – all of those guys from, as I say again, Grant Hill, Christian Leitner, uh, Thomas Hill, Bobby Hurley, these are all guys that I was either McDonald's All-Americans with, I played on USA Basketball with, I played against in the NBA, Corey McGetty and, and, and Elton Brand, these guys. I'm telling you, everybody speaks highly of Coach K and, and, and what he has meant in their lives. So uh, at the end of the day, it's not just about basketball. It's about helping young men become men. And I think he's done a good job of that with his with his program. Well, you know, it's interesting too because how you guys were talking about how so many people can't stand him and say they hate Duke and they hate Coach K because of the elitist and the Duke aura about because it of that. the success. But, yeah, That's, because of yeah. the success. Yeah. But then they fail to realize that Coach K said stuff like, "Look, I admire Jared Tarkania and UNLV because he gives opportunities and scholarships to kids that I couldn't even recruit to get into Duke, and that he did think there was a place for." other types of programs and every kid out there. He was playing under the rules that he had there. He believed in college basketball and giving every kid a possibility that he could. But, you know, at his school he couldn't do it. But he never looked down on anybody else for giving a kid a chance. He applauded it and said, yeah, I hope it works out for the young man. But people, for whatever reason, just because he was good at what he did, still didn't like him. And then you have the people that say, like, well, yeah, he's a great recruiter, but he can't coach. And it's like, really? He can't coach? I think people just don't like when people win all the time. So, you know, yeah, I mean, people are competitive. They they want to knock that, that giant off the top. And UNLV went through it when they had those monster teams. Of course, I went to UCLA. We're hated in the same, same boat. North Carolina's hated in the same boat. Same with Kansas and Kentucky. I mean, these are all blue blood schools that everybody hates because if you – if you 
combine all of those schools, they win most of the national championships. Right. So, yeah, people want to see other people. They want to see the underdog. They, everybody's always rooted for the underdog. So no one likes the, the teams that are on top. And, and, and that's just the, the nature of the business. Coach K had his press conference today. He said he wanted to announce this, uh, you know, basically, you know, before the season started, John Shire is going to take over. People probably remember John Shire played for Coach K at Duke uh, for four years, was his assistant the last eight seasons. He's, and it's funny here because you know how old John Shire is. He's 33 when Coach K took over. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, works out. But he has, he, I wanted people to know, wanted these recruits to know who – you know, I could recruit him. You know now, but I want him to know that they this is going to be your coach going forward. So a class uh, act on his part, and he did say he goes, I'm not just you know mailing in here. He goes, I'm he goes, I'm going all out. Oh, you I'm, know I'm, that he'd love he, to win yes. one more championship and, goes, and go out on a high note. He's going to do right. everything in his power right. to win. And he goes, I you know I'm going to work hard until you know the our our final day of the season. You know, coming up uh, you know next year. So yeah, that's the uh, the news out of college basketball today. Uh, Tracy Murray joins us. Tracy, let's talk about the playoffs here. The L.A. teams. I mean, you're down there in L.A. You've got LeBron James. You've got no Anthony Davis. A big game tonight. Uh, the Lakers on the verge of elimination against the Phoenix Suns tonight. And we saw what happened in game number five in Phoenix where they ran them out of their own building. It was non-competitive. 115-85. to A LeBron James team getting drilled by 30. But we know that the Lakers have a lot of issues. They have a lot of problems. And we talked about it yesterday. When your starting backcourt has zero with Schroeder and Caldwell Pope, zero, you're not going to win many basketball games. No, you're not. And, and at the end of the day, if there's no healthy, healthy Anthony Davis, the Lakers are in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the one-two punch is LeBron and Anthony Davis, not LeBron and any of the rest of the other guys that's on the team. Um, you would think Kyle Kuzma would step up, but he, his body language to me hasn't hasn't been to where he he's ready to step up and go get thirty if he has to. He's the only one, in my opinion, that's equipped to go get thirty and help LeBron. But on a consistent basis, he doesn't bring it every night. Right, right. So, what do you think, man? Is this uh, the Lakers going to extend this series? And if they do, well, you know what's going to happen here with the number two seeded Phoenix Suns. The, the Lakers have two things on their side, LeBron James and being at home. That's the only thing they have on their right. side right now. Right now the momentum is against them. They're having chemistry issues. They're having health problems. They're having all kinds of issues right now that championship teams cannot win under those situations. Well, you know, you're talking about the Lakers and the issues they have with chemistry and stuff like that. What about the other team that shares that building with them? Every year we hear that, okay, this is the year that the Clippers, they finally got it together, they're going to make things work out in that, yet they seem to find a way to disappoint their fans season after season when it comes this time of the year. This is the I've been saying the same thing about the Lakers and the Clippers since the beginning of the playoffs. Both of them have issues keeping guys on the floor. And then when they come back, everybody's role changed and everybody's expected to take a step back again, and it throws off the chemistry. Guys don't know when to step up. Guys don't know when to play. Because stars are in and out of the lineup, it throws off your chemistry. If you don't have health, chemistry, and, 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 and all, this, all this luck around you moving forward to the championship, you're not going to win. Tracy, let's go back with this Clippers-Dallas series. I mean, it's been a crazy series. I mean, Dallas goes in to the Staples Center. Clippers have the home court advantage. They win both games. And then the, you, go, you go back to Dallas, and the Clippers look like, wow, they've woke up. This, this is going to be a series now. And then last night, it seems like they felt comfortable. They're at home, and they basically get blown out of their own gym last night. It just seems like it's really strange, this team. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde type of team. I really expected the Clippers to perform well last night, and it was not the same Kawhi Leonard that we saw uh, from the previous game in Dallas. I mean, they were clicking on all cylinders, Rondo, everybody. And then I'm watching this game, and I'm going, what's the dealio with this? And I did hear Kenny Smith you know, talk about this, and it kind of resonated with me a little bit, saying, you know, 
He was going back, and you probably know this. You know, we're playing with Akeem, Akeem Olajuwon in Houston when they lost, the Houston Rocket team lost the first two games on the road, and then it was like, oh, good to be back home. You you feel comfortable, maybe a little bit too comfortable when you go back home, and that's exactly what seemed to be the case with the Clippers last night. They were comfortable to be there, but they forgot to to remember their face in Luka Doncic in, in, in Dallas. Well, another thing, I think the crowd uh, difference in Dallas is a little bit more intense, um, something um, where you can form a bunker mentality against and, and, and band together and win those games. I think Dallas is maybe they, maybe they're too comfortable. Maybe they're nervous in front of their home fans because I think they're allowed to have more right. than, than L.A. right now. I don't think the Clippers get the same support that Dallas get at home. So the Clippers are a little bit more excited to play on the road than they are at home if you have no one in the building, really. Well, yes, yeah, so certainly actual people jump up and down and make more noise than cardboard cutouts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I'm seeing more cardboard cutouts in, in the stands than I'm seeing people. Why are we still doing the cardboard cutouts? Seriously, why are we doing that? I don't know. We, we talked about this the other day. The Oakland A's still have cardboard cutouts behind home plate. We're seeing in the Staples Center. I don't get enough already. Maybe people paid their money for them and they were promised so many games or something. Because <laughs> I, I really don't know anymore. I thought after June 1st we were going to have fans all over the place again. But, again, it's a state-by-state, city-by-city thing. Uh, so That's crazy. Right, exactly. Uh, okay, uh, Damian Lillard. That performance, uh, you know something about Portland, and you know something about scoring. 55 in a losing cause at Denver the other night in that double overtime uh, loss, 147-140. They get another crack at it uh, at home tonight in Portland. Uh, Give us your thoughts about that last game, and what do you expect to see in game six tonight? I feel Dame's uh, pain. Uh, I really do. I had a 64-point game in state championship and lost, so I, I feel his pain totally. Um, somebody's got to step up and help him. It's got to be more than just McCollum. It's, there's got to be guys, Norman Powell, uh, Carmelo. There's got to be guys, Nurkic. There's got to be guys that's got to step up in, in a major way and help out because, I, in my opinion, there's more good young talent on Denver than it is Portland. So I, I think more guys need to step their levels up with the Trailblazers in order to beat the Nuggets. You know, it would be nice if everybody could experience what you did with your 64-point game and Damian Lillard did, but when you're in a zone like that, how big does that basket look, and does it just feel like no matter what you throw up there, it doesn't matter if there's nobody on you or three guys on you, it's going in? Yeah, it doesn't matter, but then at the end of the day, you want to win that game. Like my 50-point game in the league, we won that game, so it meant something. It doesn't mean anything when you lose. And I understand where Damon, Damon Lillard was talking about when he said, yeah, it doesn't matter. We didn't win. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, so Portland tonight. Does Portland get the job done tonight, Tracy? I hope so. You know, I, I was a, a trailblazer at the beginning. I was a trailblazer yeah. at the end. I yeah. began and ended my career with them. I was a nugget as well. Yeah. But I was only there for like two, three months. But <laughs> but I, I, I'm really hoping that, that Portland gets to extend the series. Yeah, it, this just has the feeling of a seven-game series. When you have a classic the way you did in well, Game 5. Well, it feels five, like one that you want to go seven games I, I as do. well because yeah. you want to see these guys keep on yeah. playing. And you know what the thing about it is? This is probably one of the most undersung series as well, too. And I saw you know some uh, national media talking the other day. And they go, oh, I really don't care about that because they were East Coast people. And they're going, it starts so late and this and that. No, this is the series. For me, this this is the most competitive series in the first round that we have. This is must-see TV. I agree. They're caring more about the Knicks being in the playoffs. They just got wiped by the, by the Hawks. It's like, yeah. I'm not caring about the Knicks. I'm, I'm, I want to see something where people are actually laying it on the line. Oh. And this is one of those series where everybody's laying on the line. Between the Knicks being in the playoffs, and between the the L.A. team struggling, that's been the highlight of, of, of the playoffs that everybody's focusing on. And they're missing an instant classic right here between these two teams. All right, so we talked about game six tonight with the Blazers looking like, okay, they should extend it. We hope they extend it. Does the Lakers season come to an end tonight? It just might. It just might. If, if Anthony Davis doesn't come back and give them – 30 and 15, 
to go along with LeBron's monster game because I'm not sold on the supporting cast to help just LeBron win. They need both of them at high clip with everything moving forward for them to win. As I say again, the only advantage the Lakers have is LeBron in home court. That's yep. it. You're right. I if totally Anthony agree. Davis doesn't yep. come back, yeah, if Anthony Davis doesn't come back with all, all guns blazing, they're in deep trouble. You know, it's interesting because we're talking about some of the series where there's great basketball going on, and you mentioned that they want to talk more about the Hawks and the Knicks, and it seems like they want to talk more about the trash talking and stuff, not even necessarily on the court, but... Do they even really trash talk today? I mean, you played in an era when I think there was a little bit more trash talk and it was more acceptable amongst the players in that on the court. Hell, sometimes with people in the crowd, but it was still done in a respectful way for the most part. Yeah, I don't know what's going on nowadays. Um, the, the, the trash talk with the kids nowadays, of course it's not like it was back when we played. And, and guys would hit you after tra- talking trash back in the day. It's not allowed to, to, to go that far anymore. Um, but I, I really don't know what's up with the fans. I mean, they're really acting like this is Europe and we're playing in the EuroLeague and you get to spit and throw things at yeah, people right. and, and nothing happens. And, and that's something that, that should not happen over here in the United States in any professional sport. Yeah, well put. All right, Tracy, appreciate the time. Uh, hopefully, you know, you're going to be in Vegas for a little bit, so we'll get you live in person on, on one of these days too, man. And definitely want to keep talking with you about the playoffs uh, because it, things are getting interesting here. We've got a couple of good games tonight, and we'll continue on. We have a birthday today too, Tracy, because I know you're an old-school guy like me, right? Today is the birthday of this guy right here, the late, great Curtis Mayfield. Can I get a witness? Hey! Yeah! See, Tracy knows about Curtis Happy Mayfield. Birthday. He Happy knows about Curtis Mayfield. There you go. That's where the post right there. The super fly yeah. himself. There you go. Tracy Murray yeah. could get down back in the day. He could dress pretty fly, too. You know, you probably still, <laughs> you probably still got some of those high heels and those, uh, uh, those suits back in the day, man. The man. Man, I have more shorts and T-shirts nowadays. This is true. <laughs> hey, I want to th- throw this in real quick, too. Uh, yeah. For people that say size doesn't matter, I remember at the start of this interview, you mentioned how you were 6'8 and can shoot, so coaches kind of had an eye for you. I can shoot, but I'm 5'8". They did not give me the same look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you better be lightning quick. Exactly. Yeah, I, I used to be fairly quick. Yeah. I don't know if I was ever lightning quick. <laughs> oh, 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 for two on that. There you go. All right, brother. Be good, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. There he is. Tracy Murray, former NBA champ. Yes. He'll be in that UCLA Hall of Fame. Should have already been UCLA Hall of Fame. But That's why I threw that in there like that. Yeah. Like, it was already a given. Like yeah. it, it, we, let, think so. we don't need the official stats. We say you're a Hall of Famer. You're a Hall of Famer. 64. Who shoots? Who scores 64 and loses, huh? Damian Lillard scored 55 and lost. There you go. All right, we come back on the other side. We'll talk some more VGK NBA playoffs. Nick Bogdanovich uh, will join us. And a whole lot more coming your way on this thunderous Thursday. Curtis Mayfield, take us to the break.